I'm going to finish a series today called More Courage. And uh, it's kind of timely. I mean, again, how would I know last summer when I'm putting things together that uh, our world's going to be in a mess, that we're going to have uncertain times, but strength during uncertain times. That's where we're at. More courage, strength during uncertain times. The first week we started with uh, courage to suffer well. The second week we talked about courage to finish strong. And then Pastor Bob, thank you for preaching, uh, courage to persevere. And then last week was courage to endure to the end. Something was impressed on me this week. I kind of had this uh, thought process that, you know, we needed courage to face the world, right? And we do, and we do, right? But we also need courage to face the opposition from within. We really do. And I don't know why, I've preached through John before, First John before, and I don't know why, I mean, I studied the passage and everything, maybe it's the Holy Spirit now, I don't know, but like, it was so clear to me that John is teaching and preaching and helping a church that has just gone through a major division. And I'm like, wow, I, how did I miss that? I knew he was contending for the faith. That's, yeah, but he is lovingly. He doesn't even say what the problems are. He doesn't address those other people. He just says they. <laughs> they went out from us because they're not with us. You know, It's so amazing what he does. But he cuts deep and he makes a straight line. Not to unity, although that's a theme in the Bible and a theme in this book, 1 John. But he cuts deep to a theme of truth. This commentary, which I read most of this week, um, or most of parts of this week, I should say. Not, I didn't read the whole thing. Um, is astounding. And he, I mean, it was, First John was like a balm to my soul. How many, did you guys read this? It's like a balm. It's just like a salve. It's just like, oh, put some more on, put some more. It's like, ooh, I needed that. I loved it. And, and this particular part of this commentary just really, I, mean, I can't read the whole thing, but this is just really good. He says at the bottom here, unity that does not regard the truth we know in Jesus Christ may be a unity not worth cherishing. I mean, if I could read this whole page, you would get it. That is just dynamite. There is a time to divide. And John does it so lovingly that you, the first time I preached this, I didn't even see it. That's how lovingly he did it. Right, but as I'm reading it and I'm preaching it, this time I'm like, oh my goodness. This is help for hurting hearts. This is help for the church of God who's like, what just happened? I thought we all loved each other. It's amazing, this book. So open your Bible to 1 John. We're going to get after it. I'm going to be more courage during uncertain times. I've painted the context for you. Trouble within the church is addressed. 
He is focusing on building their confidence. Confidence in the faith, confidence in the church, confidence in the community, the fellowship you can have inside the church. Post-church split. Bam! So courage to overcome opposition even in the church. And I want to refresh your soul like my soul was refreshed this week. All right? So let's do that. Let's go after it. Okay? I want you to leave church today with confidence. All right? You need confidence. I need confidence. I want you to leave here with a confidence that you know the Lord, that He knows you, and that you're in the fellowship. That is important. And I want you to renew your faith in Jesus and his church. That Jesus is the hope of the world. But not just him. The church, the bridegroom, right? Died for the bride, right? The bride, the church is important too. That's why he died. So John in, in first, I can't go through all of this, but John in uh, the first chapter, he, he gives his testimony. And then he states the problem, the issue. Guess what the issue is? Let's just sum it up in one three-letter word. Sin. That's what the issue always is. And he doesn't really say much about it other than like, hey, if you don't say that you're a sinner, you're a liar. Okay, so that's a problem. Okay, we all know that. But sometimes, we're pretty hypocritical. We don't think we're sinning when we're sinning. Right? And that, that's the truth. We look at ourselves differently than others do. Then he focuses and brings his attention squarely on Jesus. He says, do not love the world. The world hates you. The evil one wants to destroy you. You're like, not good news. Except for he says, look in chapter 2. He writes this little, these phrases, I just want to read it for you. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Now, I, I could tell right there that what I'm reading isn't impacting you. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, for reals. Like, I don't know how you can skate by that without going, yeah! Woo! My sin is forgiven. What does forgiven mean exactly? Done. Not to be revisited. Not to be thought about again. As far as the east is from the west. So for little children in the church who might be tormented by their own sins, as many of us are, you're forgiven. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him. You know Jesus who, who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, you know, some of them probably did know him. Okay? Just to be real. Probably eyewitnesses. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have, not will, have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. Your sins are forgiven and you know the Father. Those are just encouraging statements. 
I write to you fathers because you know him, Jesus, who was from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong. Not will be strong. You are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Flip over to the next page. Chapter 3. He says this. Verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. He is talking about the Holy Spirit. He is talking about God. And he's saying, you've been anointed. Just like the person you follow, Jesus Christ, was anointed. We'll get to that in a second. Skip down to verse 27. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now this is why this verse is very important. As a leader of the church, as an apostle, as a person who sat with Jesus Christ, he could have just said, those guys are bad and I'm good because I was with Jesus. But he doesn't say that. He says, the Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. You don't need me to teach you. You know it right inside of you. He doesn't pull the trump card. Man, I'm looking at this. I'm like, what? He doesn't pull the trump card. He doesn't go, I'm an apostle. He doesn't say, you guys are all messed up. He says, you know what? The Holy Spirit speaks to everyone. And then he goes on a journey to tell you how you know if it's the Holy Spirit or not. How you know if the thing that you believe is true or not. You measure it by the life and ministry of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit never will say something that Jesus didn't say or do something that Jesus didn't do. That's your litmus test. Jesus. Now we like to like minimize Jesus. We like to minimize, I like to minimize the Holy Spirit on Jesus. And so don't do that. As I, as I say that, I'm like, ooh, hold on. <laughs> Some people are going to be like, yeah, Jesus, only Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And he's making a point that Jesus is important because these guys are, let's just get the heresy out. These guys are saying, Jesus was a man, which he was. But they're saying he wasn't God. They're saying that God's spirit came on him at baptism, the water. But that he left him before he died. And so he wasn't God when he died. Now that's ludicrous. He was God the whole time. From birth to death to resurrection. From alpha to omega. From beginning to end. From eternity past to eternity future. He was and always will be God. So don't 
take it. <laughs> you know, when, when Jesus says, I'm going to hide some of my glory behind me, and I'm going to act like you all, like a human, don't take it to mean he's not God. Just because he's like, well, I'll tie my feet. You know, I'll put my feet up and I'll tie my hands behind my back. And I'll still defeat Satan. Just because he does that. And relies squarely on the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father. Doesn't mean he's not God. All right, so we got that out. So he's going to test this whole thing, and he's going to say, in chapter 4, just skip over to chapter 4. He's, he's introduced love now in chapter 3. In chapter 4 he says, hey, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits. And then he goes down to verse 7. Let me just read it for you, just straight through. Let this wash over you. You don't even have to look at it. You can if you want. I'm going to read it straight from Scripture. But I want it to wash over you like waves on the beach. All right? One wave after another of God's lavish love onto you. Just listen to this. Beloved, loved ones, let us love one another, for love is from God. You don't have to love in your own strength. The love that you have for other people can flow right through you from the Father. And whoever loves has been born of God. It's very, very key. And knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation, that means payment, for our sins. Beloved. I mean, it's getting gushy. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. It's seen. God's love's on display when we love one another. By this... We know that we abide in him, and he in us, through the Holy Spirit. I can just add that right there, because that's implied in the whole passage, just to make it clear. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He's the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. That means something to Jewish people. Does it mean something to us? Messiah means anointed one. He's the anointed one. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. I do. That's what I'm thinking when I read that. I do. That's me. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. God abides in him. And he in God. Again, through the Holy Spirit. So we have come to know and to believe 
The love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that we have confidence. We may have confidence. That's what I want you to leave with. For the day of judgment. Here's the confidence. It's not going to be the day of judgment like you're thinking. You're like, what? Yeah, because when you hear the word judgment, what do you think of? Condemnation. Somebody's going to judge me. Yep, nope, yep, nope. You're bad, you're awful, you're this, you're that. That's what you hear in your head, don't you? That's the voice of Satan. God has never done that to you. Whenever you've heard that, that was not God. I can declare that straight from God's word. And you could see it right now, okay? So, by this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Not the judgment you're thinking. Because as he is. How's Jesus doing today? So also are we in this world. As he is, so are we. You're Jesus. You're like, that's heresy. No, it's not. Now you can deny him. You can be faithless, but he'll be faithful. You can deny him, he will deny you. That's true. But if you're not denying him, if you're believing in him, and you're trying to follow him best you can, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That's why people don't go to church anymore, because it's not good news. This is good news. Keep going. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's good news. For fear has to do with what? What does it say there? I have that circled in my Bible and crossed out. What is he implying? When he comes to judge you, you will not be punished. Well, then it's not the kind of judgment I'm thinking, is it? Just get it. I'm like, it doesn't have to do with punishment? Well, that's what I thought judgment was. I thought it was punishment. Is there a possibility that Jesus is judging you right even now? But it has nothing to do with punishment. Everything you do, he's judging you. Well, that was good. Well done, son. Eh, Let's try that one again. You need a little help there. Let me send this or that into your life to get you to understand what I really mean. Yeah, it's possible. Matter of fact, it's probable. As a matter of fact, it's happening. (laughs) And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Well, if I haven't been perfected in love, then I got problems. I got the wrong kind of love going on. We love because he first loved us. I'm fond of saying that. Gotta love you because you love me. All right, let me read this for you. There's just a couple um, quotes in here that I think will make it uh, hit home. Just a couple things. I was reading this, and uh, he's talking to uh, uh, an an African pastor friend, this, this guy that's the, the writer of this commentary, his name is Gary Berg, or Berge. 
And he says, a friend who was a pastor, pastoral leader in West Africa put it to me succinctly once. Our churches seek power. Your American churches seek reasonable faith. We are pursuing the more biblical model. I want you to let that sink in. I've been preaching that for a while. We're preaching a reasonable faith. That God's either really aloof and holy and we'll never see him and we'll never get to him. Or, that makes sense, or God's a friend and intimately involved in your life in a loving way. But it can't be both because that's unreasonable. Yeah, and it's powerful that God is holy that he is powerful. That he is everything you could ever want and more than you could think you want. And yet he loves you in an intimate way. That's, boo, insane. And that's why it's such good news. You've got to hold those both. Yes, God, you're holy. You're our Father. You're such a comfort and a friend. You've got to hold that tension. When Christians are not given a theological system that incorporates pneumatology, that's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, they are vulnerable to spiritual sabotage. They get taken and they run through the muck of the law when they don't understand the Holy Spirit and grace of the New Testament. All right. Therefore, it is crucial that we equip our laity with complete understanding of Christian discipline as intimately linked to the Holy Spirit. That is, when we talk about receiving Jesus Christ, we need to express this in terms that incorporate the Holy Spirit. See, this is what John's doing so easily in 1 John that we miss it. That we go right past it. The Spirit is not separate from Jesus. The Spirit is Jesus himself returned to us in power. I want to say that again. I've been trying to preach this to people for a long time. This is it, right? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not separate from Jesus. We're not doing two different things here. The Spirit is Jesus himself returned to us in power. That's why my Reformed friends... And my charismatic friends should be together. Right? Why such division? Why all the fighting and doctrinal, you know? Come on, man. Where's the love that the Holy Spirit has put in you? That's what we're talking about. John, consequently, John appeals to the scriptures as the plumb line against which all teaching must be measured. There's so much more from this book. I mean, you should read it. It's just like mind-blowing. I've never read a commentary and been that enthralled. Never. And I've read many. The guy who wrote that is full of the Holy Spirit. No doubt. You're like, well, how do you know? You just know. If you have the Spirit and you're full of Him, 
you just know. That seems weird to say, but it's true. And that's what John's saying. John's saying that. He's like, guys, you're anointed. You have the Holy Spirit. You know. He doesn't even appeal to his arguments. He doesn't go, well, this, then that, well, this, then that. Can't you see the argument? He's like, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. Don't you see? Don't you see why they left? Don't you see why we stayed? Don't you see? That's what he says. It's amazing. Our confidence is in God's love. It's in knowing him because we have the Holy Spirit. You need to test the spirits for sure. Don't run off after every spirit. But it's clear that we have an idea of what's going on because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Praise God. All right. Courage to overcome opposition. Now, that was a long setup, but there's a lot there, and I wanted to get it to you, okay? The context is there's division in the church. The confidence I want you to have is in God's love, Jesus Christ's blood, his grace, the Spirit's fellowship through the word, truth, knowledge. He uses all these key words in 1 John, and he's tipping his hand. Every time he uses one of these buzzwords, he's like, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the Father. And they use these pronouns, which incorporates all of them, and you're like, what? I don't do I can't follow you. It's so cool. All right, by faith. We talked about faith last week. Let me throw the definition up there again. Oh, sorry, I'm not going in order. She, she wants to do the slides. So, oh, she's on it. Faith is, taking, faith is taking God at his word and trusting him no matter what happens because he promised a great result. That's what faith is. Okay, just get that down. Faith is taking God at his word. I trust that 1 John's true. Trusting him no matter what. Half the church left. What happened? Trusting him no matter what. Okay? Because he promises a great result. Jesus is greater. All right. Now we can go back to the other slide, sis. Sorry about that. I'm out of order. Right? So I want you to leave this way. God wants to refresh your soul today, and he wants to rebuild your confidence in Jesus Christ and his church. He wants to do that again today. That's really, really important. All right, now, let's move forward. By faith, I have confidence to do this. By faith, I have confidence. I want you to leave here with confidence. Why? By faith, I have confidence to, first thing, deny faith, deny fake faith. I need you to deny fake faith. There are people who say they're saved who aren't saved. And the problem in churches today is we don't call that out in a loving way. Right? We're like, yeah, if you say you're saved, you're saved. Really? If I just say it, I'm saved? I'm saved. I get to go to heaven now? Great. Good. Okay, let's go. You're not saved because you say you're saved. You're like, well, that just messes with me. Now I want to know if I'm saved or not. I need some assurance, right? Yeah, you do need some assurance. And that's what John's doing in the whole book. Read 1 John. You'll have tons of assurance. Or you'll know that you're not saved and you need to be. Just read John. That's what we did today. 1 John is just clear. But let me get after fake faith. Here it is. Look at verse 20. If anyone says, I love God. I love God. All right. And hates his brother. He is a liar. Now that is truth dripping with love. 
so much that you can't even like slap the guy in the face when he calls you a liar. You're like, oh yeah, I'm a liar. I don't know how he does this. He's such a good writer. Okay, for he who does not love his brother whom he cannot see, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he cannot see. That's just so clear. If I can't love Josiah who I see, who I interact with, who comes to my house, who we we fellowship together, then how in the world am I going to love God who I don't see? How's that going to happen? Don't say you love God and don't love other people. That's a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Like, that's not true. That's fake faith. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love the brothers and the sisters, the true followers of Jesus Christ. Have to love them. I mean, you're going to want to love them. That's all I can do not to kiss you right now. That's how much I love you. Kiss me on the cheek. Is that good? Holy kiss. I mean, I love you so much because God loves me so much. That's it. Right, but fake faith is saying, I love God. I don't like what you're doing. I don't love you. Get around that. How, how is that? So here's the application. Reject hatred. Right? If you hate anyone, if you, uh, seriously, if you're bringing somebody up in the shower, sometimes I bring people from the past up in the shower. You get all grumpy and gross. You're like, that's not God. I'm not filled with the spirit right now. I know it. It's like, I'm not filled. I need to be filled. God, I'm, I repent of that. That's not how I really feel because that's not how you feel. Right? That's the flesh. That's the evil one. That's not how you feel about that person. You love that person. You're pursuing that person today. And I pray that you'll pursue them even more. That's how you get around it. Right? So you got to take fake faith and reject hatred. Okay? All right. Now, second thing. By faith, I have confidence to... Well, here. Let me give it to you this way. Okay. You've heard of divorce? Anybody? Uh, yeah, pretty common. All right. Divorce is a great illustration of fake faith. I stood up. I said I love you. I said till death do us part. Those words. Do words matter? Words matter. Actions speak louder than words, though. Actions speak louder than words. If I actually do that and stay with my wife through thick or thin, when it's hard and when it's not, then I'm putting actions to the words. I'm loving in not just word, but in deed and in truth, it says in John 3. That's important. I need to do that. So, Christian divorce, and I'm not talking about man and woman. People leave God. They say they love God, and then they walk out of church. Right after they say they, I stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. 
I stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I have is yours. I love you, God. And I walk out of church. And I act like I hate him. What gives? That's liars. That's liars. He's just making it clear. That's called divorce. That's saying one thing, hey, I love you, God, and then doing something else. And expecting it to be fine. Hey, God, showed up at 10 o'clock again. I love you. See you again next week. See how that goes with your wife. Ain't happening. And it doesn't work with God either. Right? And when we do that to God and we do that to other people, we're showing that we have fake faith. Okay. Good enough. Second thing. By faith, I have confidence to choose real faith. You're like, choose real faith. Yeah, give it to me. I want to choose real faith. Okay. Look at chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Born of God, born of God, born of God. He keeps saying that. It's a term he coined in John chapter 3. You can go read chapter 3. I don't have time. Uh, John chapter 3, not 1 John. John chapter 3. Nicodemus. Think of Nicodemus. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. If you love God, you love those that have been born from above. You do. Just flat out you do. I go, I don't know. Yes, you do. By this we know... Tip, knowledge, Holy Spirit, that we have love. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, now, when he talks about his commandments with everything he said about the Holy Spirit, what is he talking about? He's talking about the greatest commandment for sure. Because he says in chapter 2, it's an old love that you had from the beginning, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, and it's a new love, First, or John 13, 34 through 35. He says, I have a new commandment for you that you love one another, right? And that people will know you're my disciples if you do this. So it's an old command and a new command, yes, but... Here's, every time I read that, what I thought of was the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Every time. When you hear the words commandments, and you grew up in the church, you're like, Ten Commandments. Old Testament law. That's what you go to. That's not what he's talking about. He has made it so clear that that doesn't exist in a new believer's life. You're not living according to the old law. You're living according to the new law. Where is that? Where do I find that? Is it on tablets of stone? Where is it at? It's in me. He wrote the commandments on my heart. He gave me the Holy Spirit. It's in me. I know what's good and what's bad. I know if I'm in the shower and I'm grousing about somebody, that's bad. I don't need the Bible to tell me that. I know it. The Holy Spirit in me says, uh-uh. Not that. That's not me. Now the word can be helpful in that. But when you start getting a list of commandments and checkboxes, it's not good. But that's what we think of when we read the Word. 
So then it is burdensome. If I'm going to keep 613 commandments, that's burdensome. I feel like, ugh. But if I'm just going to keep the law written on my heart, that when I do something wrong, he's going to tell me it's wrong, if I'm listening, and I can change course, or if I'm doing something right, and he's like, that's it, boy, let's go. Then I can do that, and that's not burdensome. I can stay connected to God through the Holy Spirit, and that's not burdensome. Do you see that? Everybody looks at this like, oh man, this is just ludicrous. Somehow, some way, God waves a magic wand and now the law is just easy. No, the law teaches you that you can't keep it. The Holy Spirit says, just trust me. I'm asking you to do this one thing. I'm not asking you to do it 613 things. This one thing right now. And if you just do that, we're good. That's not a burden to me. Matter of fact, I want that from him. All right, so much here. I need another week. <laughs> For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that he has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I'm into the third point now. Choose real faith. Here it is. Receive love. Receive love. God loves you so much, he sent Jesus Christ. Is that good news? Forgiven and free. Done? No condemnation? No judgment? No punishment? Ooh, got quiet. It's like, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Because you don't believe it. But it's true. And because you don't believe it, you don't live in victory. Sorry, that hurt a little bit. We're still living in the old covenant when we don't believe that it's done. Jesus already paid for it. You don't get to go pay for it again. That's a slap in his face. You're not going to stand for it before him one day and he's going to go, well, what'd you do that for? Because he'd just be talking to himself. And he already went through that process. Man, we got to get this is good news. Receive the love that God really has for you. That the gospel is what the gospel is. That it's free. That it's rich. That it changes your heart towards other people because you're so forgiven, you can't help but forgive other people. When they cross you, when they yell at you, are people not nuts right now out on the road? I get cursed out daily. I don't drive that bad. I'm not good, but I, I don't drive that bad. And then I watch other people who are actually good at driving get just yelled at. It's crazy. We're on a hairpin. It's like just like, ugh. Why? Because we're so far from the love of God. We don't understand how much God loves us, so it's not flowing through us to anyone else. We feel hated by God, and so we hate everybody else. That's a lie from Satan. You go start preaching, receive love, receive love, receive love, and you're going to get a lot of pushback. Because demonic forces hate you. All right, number three. By faith, I have confidence to speak the truth. 
And the application here, I'm just going to give it to you right away because I'm going to be done. Respond boldly. So you're like, respond boldly. With courage and confidence, respond boldly. So I'm just going to read these for you. I'm going to put them on the screen. Here's victory. I'm just going to say them. I believe Jesus is God and Messiah. That he's both. That he's God and man. And that's important. I believe Jesus overcame sin for us. I believe that. I've preached that. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, it's your victory. I believe we overcome the world. You can live in a victim mentality. Oh, it's so hard until Jesus comes back. This is just the hardest place to be. Except for he already won the victory. He already gave us the Holy Spirit. And we have all the power we need to live here. How do you know, Steve? Because he did it. It wasn't like he had something you don't have. That's where we go wrong. We think he did. We think he had something special that ended with him, and we don't have it. And, you know, the disciples got a little tail end, but it's gone now. That's not it. That's, that's a lie. I believe God's testimony about Jesus and therefore about me. So you go, what's God's testimony about Jesus? That'd be a good question right now. What's God's testimony about Jesus? Anybody want to know? No, okay. It's all good. Let's be done then. Um, read the rest of this and let it speak for itself. Verse 5 through the end of the chapter. Let the testimony speak to itself. The water is baptism. Check. Most people believe that. I believe it. I grew up in a Baptist church. That was easy. Water baptism. Pretty, pretty important thing. Beginning of his ministry. Go look at Luke chapter 1. No. Mark chapter 1. And God saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and don't think that something powerful is happening when heaven tears open and God speaks. Everybody knew. The Spirit visibly comes down. Everybody knew. Then he testifies with the blood. He rings the bell of the blood, and he does it because the people leaving are denying that Jesus was God and human on the cross. So he rings that bell, that middle bell. When you see it here, it says not only the water, but the blood. So he makes a point of the blood. He makes a point of the cross. Now, here's the thing. Our problem in our church isn't that we don't put the central focus on the cross, is it? No, we're always talking about the cross. Churches have crosses on them, you know, even when it's in vogue, right? not in vogue right now. Like, churches have crosses on them. True, true, true churches, they are putting the cross central. If they're not, they're not a true church. We can just say that out loud. But then he comes back with the third witness, the third testimony. What did Jesus testify to? Uh, what did God testify to Jesus? The third witness, the star witness, the final witness, the Holy Spirit. I think that's the one that we need to emphasize right now. 
because we've got the cross, and I understand baptism. If you haven't been baptized, we're going to have a baptism in a couple weeks. You should get baptized. I'm done, right? And if you don't want to, it's okay. But if you want to, I know, I know where you're at with the Lord. I mean, I can just tell you, right? But don't fake it. Don't be like, well, oh, if you know, then I want to do it. It's like, no, that's fake. It comes from here, not from here. Well, I heard you say that I should want to get baptized. No, that's not it. That's fake. It comes from here. I want to get baptized. That's, that's where it comes from. And that's the same place it comes from for the Holy Spirit. I want and need the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. All right, I've said enough. Father God, thank you. <laughs> Your word is so powerful. I am so in love with it. I'm so in love with you. I'm so in love with the cross. I'm so in love with the visual picture of baptism, how I died to myself that day and so many days since and so many days before and live again for you, coming up clean. Whoa, feels good. And you look at me clean. Forgiven, free. Thank you, God. And not only that, the Holy Spirit. I'm in love with you, Spirit. You fill us as we empty ourselves of ourselves. Not sinless. We're still sinners because we're not going to be liars. I sin, God. Forgive me when you do. I pray, God. You will bestow the Holy Spirit on us in such a powerful way that we will know. Know. That's the word John kept using. You will know. You will understand. It will be real to you. I pray that over everyone that's here hearing my voice. In Jesus' name, amen.